Welcome to Brothers and Who, a Married to Who spinoff podcast where me, Jake, and my brother Alex watch classic Doctor Who episodes, whatever fucking order we want. This week we're joined, of course, by our producer Terry. Terry, say hi. Hi. The last few weeks we've been going through every companion one at a time. We're going to continue doing that. This episode we're here to talk about Barbara. We're going to do that by talking about the story, the Aztecs. Now, as ever... We're not going to like really deep dive into the character of Barbara. There's plenty of other podcasts for that, but we are going to talk about her a bit. So the reason we've chosen the Aztecs to watch is because in these companion episodes we're doing, typically our plan is to watch their first episode and their last episode. That way it kind of forces us to watch some stories we maybe otherwise wouldn't have watched because some of them fucking suck, (laughs) but some of them are great. (laughs) And so I was going through some companions last night and it's like, oh, it'd be so awesome to watch that one. Oh, it'd be so awesome to watch that one instead of whatever we're actually going to watch. But it's nice to save some of the good ones for later so that later we're not just watching the shit that's left over. <laughs> uh, so for Barbara, we have already seen her first one. We've already seen her last one. We've seen almost all of her stories just because we did, you know, we wanted to watch some first Doctor stuff when we first started doing Brothers. We went through all the Dalek stories, so that's two of them. And then we've done, we've already done Ian, Vicky, and Susan. Barbara's in all of those. So, didn't really have a whole lot of choice but to watch the Aztecs. The only other stories we haven't seen are Edge of Destruction, Planet of Giants, and stuff that's missing. Oh, uh, Space Museum, I think. So that's why I've chosen the Aztecs. Also because it is like the most Barbara story. That's why we saved it for the Barbara episode, even though, you know, Ian gets to do a lot of cool shit and it could it it kind of defines his character as well. It's mostly a Barbara story and how these are formatted. We're going to talk about that story Aztecs just on its own. And then afterwards, we'll kind of just talk about Barbara in the wider sense of her character during her time on the show. So that being said, we are. Talking about the Aztecs, written by John Lucarati, directed by John Crockett, aired May 23rd through June 13th, 1964. Alex. Yo. Oh, what'd you think of this one? Uh, I liked it. It was cool. I didn't realize how much I like don't know about the Aztecs. <laughs> Terry. Yes. Oh, what'd you think of this one? I enjoyed it a lot. Like the beginning of it was super fun grab to just jump right in. And it reminded me a lot of watching, uh, oh no, what's that movie called? El Dorado. That's what it was. Um, the cartoon? Yeah. Oh. Because just the whole idea of you've got it's this. Called, it's called the road to El Dorado. Sorry, road to El Dorado. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, like strangers come in to their culture they're mistaken as gods, like Barbara is. And then you've got the whole um, main bad guy who wants to sacrifice everyone versus the chieftain or the good guy of the group. 
And they're fighting back against each other the whole time, playing favorites to gods. And then the only difference is in this one, uh, their culture doesn't change and they just continue sacrificing people as to what they believe and how they normally do compared to El Dorado, the Disney movie. We don't go through this shit in order, so I'm just going to start with the end. Okay. Who's really the bad guy in this story? Um, I kind of want to say Barbara because she's trying to change history. Or just white people. <laughs> well, that too. Like being all uppity and like our ways are the right way. Like she's being a right. real Karen about it. So, yeah. So Clitoxel, the bad guy, is... He's doing his job. Doing his job. Yeah. A, like pleasing his gods. And he firmly believes that if they don't do this that they'll be punished and his people will die. Yeah. And he also firmly believes that Barbara is a fake God and she is, <laughs> he's the only one yeah. who's right. Yeah. The whole time. Now, sure. He, you know, finds out that he's right and then wants to kill people, but that's just part of the times. Whereas Barbara tells them like, Oh, if you were just more morally right, you like, you didn't sacrifice people. You you wouldn't get destroyed by Cortez when he shows up. They would. <laughs> it, Cortez did not destroy them because they were like morally bad. He destroyed them because they were there, and he's a he, bad person. Because that was a conquest, right? He just wanted the land. <laughs> yeah. Like the 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 old the old give us your land uh, scenario. Yeah, uh, is, European, is that a scenario? Yes. <laughs> like, European colonialism. Yeah. Same thing happened in, in our part of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're here to talk about Barbara today. So, fuck Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Bar Barbara's the bad guy. She was kind of a jerk about it. And it's, it's, it's weird because she was pulling off of her expertise of being a teacher. Of she wasn't a professor, yeah. right? She was she's a history a teacher. teacher at a high school. And, um, like, is it because... So is she trying to do this because she has only gleaned the good things about the culture, but didn't actually fully embrace everything? Is that why? Well, like she just wanted everyone to be cool and like not pay attention she, to like the the bar, like the, the, the crazy things they did. <laughs> right. Um, I would imagine she knows like because yeah. they tested her on the knowledge of their culture anyway too to prove that she was a god and she knew that stuff so she should in theory know what was going on and reasons why i think it's more of just her morally thinking like oh my god why are they not to our standards of culture now yeah stepped there's, in the way and there's a difference between studying something and having a man killed right in front of you as a right. sacrifice yeah or having susan yeah well, she was just going to be, like, flogged. Well, no, she was supposed to get married to the yeah. <laughs> one guy to be sacrificed, which, honestly, is like, just do it, and then he's going to die. Right. You're going to be fine. Dude's wicked hot. Like, <laughs> it's two days. Like, take one for the team. The doctor did. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, ac he accidentally got engaged, and as soon as he found out, he just rolled with it. Right. Like, because, obviously, the alternative is that everyone's in danger. Like, yeah. you're going to get your entire team murdered mm -hmm. because you can't just, like, roll with it until the doctor figures something out. Like, you, if she's just like, oh, yeah, I'll perfect victim. He's my man. If he can't do it, 
<laughs> I don't know why I went to a chair. Yeah. But uh, I, I think there's a little difference in the doctor rolling with it and Susan maybe rolling with it because the doctor actually likes her. And like, I could see her being a companion. Oh, yeah. Comica? Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But and I don't mean like Susan should have like gotten into this dude's bed. And, and that's what, what well, would have happened. That definitely would have happened. <laughs> I'm saying it's just in that moment. Just be like, oh, cool. Sure. And then go tell the doctor. Yeah. And then they, we can do something about it. Instead yeah. of just like, no one owns me. I'm a self-made woman. And then. <laughs> I wrote down, uh, she's a strong, independent woman. Don't need no man. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just, like, she's. How many adventures does she have to go on before she just, like, fucking gets it? Like, yeah. I mean, everything's dangerous. You could always just say, yeah, sure. And then as soon as everyone turns around, you just run. (laughs) Like, just just (laughs) leave. And further evidence that time travel is awful if you're a woman. (laughs) like A young woman. Yeah, going anywhere in the past before, like, 1986 (laughs) is just the worst. Looking at everything, like Barbara, Susan, the doctor, all able to essentially work their way through and like no problem ian though on the other hand is like oh you you get to fight to the death every time and it's like yeah why <laughs> no he's like yes <laughs> this he's, is he's rolling with it at the very beginning um clitoxel is like oh your your man your young man servant will be the leader of our armies uh, you'll just have to like fight this other dude and the doctor's like no 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 let the other dude be the leader of the armies and he just goes no it's cool <laughs> like i'll, I'll go <laughs> yeah fuck I'll that guy <laughs> i haven't i haven't fought and murdered anyone in like two days <laughs> so i'm really itching yeah he actually uh like murdered that guy like threw him off a cliff yeah this is right after keys and marinus ian was just on trial for just like sticking his nose in it again he can't fucking help himself he just loves <laughs> murder <laughs> <laughs> the doctor was the best thing ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> like after the chase, when him and Barbara go back home, what's he going to do? Yeah. He can't go back to teaching. He's going to like, does he invent MMA? <laughs> Maybe. Well, since we're kind of going down the line with all the characters, um, very thankfully, Susan is barely in this one. <laughs> she They ship her off to holy school. And yeah. they're like, well, we don't have to listen to her bitch for, <laughs> for an episode and a half. Kind of feel bad for her, though. It sucks. I mean, she got to immerse herself in the history and culture, I guess, but... Yeah. And I would say, like, this is... You know, like, in the censor rights, there's two episodes where Barbara's gone, and that's because it was uh, Jacqueline Wright's vacation. Like, that was her two weeks to take off. Yeah. Susan is in every episode, but just for, like, a minute. <laughs> yeah. And so she doesn't get to just fuck off. She has to be there. <laughs> Well, we kind of briefly talked about the doctor, but he, yeah, gets shipped off to old person camp where he immediately, like, apart from, like, Komika being awesome and the whole engagement thing, when the priest first walks him in and is, like, explaining it, he's like, oh, that guy was a builder. That guy was an architect. And he just immediately goes, what about her? (laughs) He he sees her and he's like, boy, boy, boy. (laughs) I... I did notice the doctor was putting on the moves real fast. Like, yeah, just trying to impress her as fast as he could. <laughs> May have been under false pretenses. Like he was trying to get information, but still, he I think he was digging it even before. Yeah. James Bond's always trying to get information, but it doesn't mean he's not going to fuck. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. 
I was actually really impressed with William Hartnell in this story by the crazy names he has to say. Like, there's one sentence where, like, he has to say Utoxa, Clotoxel, and and Otlock, like, all in one sentence. And he fucking nailed it. Yeah. There, I don't can't know. remember Ian Chesterton's last name. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if I'm noticing it more or if it's happening more, but I, in this one particularly, it felt like there was a lot of uh stumbles on lines not just with uh hartnell but even like just the um supporting cast the support as well. like the there were, there were a few i wouldn't say it's any more okay than what we've had but every time i was like ah and but then it just like reminds me like oh they're doing this like a play like they have to like just keep going and try yeah, to do it to get it on film not so a lot of retake one of the things i really like about this is it feels like a city like they're like yeah they're all in very disparate locations like ian's doing his thing barbara's doing his thing the doctor's doing his thing and susan doesn't matter <laughs> but she, true she yeah. got shipped off to boarding school yeah but she had a couple scenes so every episode it even though most of the scenes are just people talking and conspiring it feels like a pace like it has a pace because it's going back and forth between all the stories mm -hmm. and then you know, a couple times you get Ian having a silent fight with somebody. Oh yeah, my. those silent fights. It, it was the weird. Best. It was just weird. The last one was the best one. Just because yeah. they had full, like, armor and everything. and it, Yeah, the shields make noise when you hit yeah. them. And mm -hmm. they just had a bigger space. Like, the little room that they first dueled in <laughs> right. was ridiculous. <laughs> it's like so funny. Ian just does, like, an arm and leg takedown. So and this guy's supposed to be like the best warrior in the world. I know. I... And Ian's just like, oh, I bet you never heard of this thing I learned in wrestling on the first day. Yeah. <laughs> like... Well, maybe wrestling hadn't been uh, invented yet. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what time frame we're at with this episode. <laughs> uh, we're in the late 1400s sometime. It's never stated exactly when it is, but someone like they do mention an event that happened in 1450 as having been in the past. So it's. After 1450, but it's before 1500. Yeah, my first note is Barbara is mistaken as a high priestess because of a bracelet. I was like, wait a second. Was she just grave robbing this right. place that they just got to? This For sure. The whole story starts with them like landing the TARDIS inside a tomb. Barbara immediately knows what it is because she's studied it. And she just starts taking shit. Yeah, like a little decorum here, Barbara. <laughs> nope, she's a klepto. Yeah, she's just like, oh, this guy was a priest. He's had some cool shit. Let's check this out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then, like, for the guys to be like, oh, she must be uh, our god reincarnated because she is wearing this bracelet. Like, no one's ever just made a bracelet and be like, hey, guys, I'm god now. <laughs> well, but they also were walking out of the tomb that they believe no one can get into. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, yeah, something there. When Susan and the doctor and Ian do catch up to Barbara after she's initially taken and they see her like on a throne and all decked out. And Susan is like, well, she can't be the God reincarnated. She's a woman. And so I just wrote out Susan's an NMD. Like she's a not my doctor. Oh, she, man. <laughs> she doesn't think uh, men can be reincarnated <laughs> as women. That's really weird for Susan to say, too, as a Time Lord. Like, yeah, they, they get reincarnated as other genders all the time. Well, at this point in Doctor Who, uh, regeneration is not a thing yet. Oh, OK. Like, they don't know that they're going to have to change their actor <laughs> in a year. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, I don't know anything about. They still haven't even said Gallifrey or anything like that. Hmm. I do like how Barbara has used a lot of her wits to get out of the challenges or just like when uh, she has to save Ian during that fight because he's been scratched with the poison from the doctor. Um, and she just holds a knife up to the other priest throat and like, let him go. And it's like, holy shit, she's got balls. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. And he goes like, oh, if you're a god, you can save him. And she's like, okay. And just puts a knife up to his neck. And he's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Yeah, I like the the line was, uh, why use divine intervention when the power of man will do? Yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, Barbara's dope. What's the name of the main bad guy? Priest? Clitoxel. Clitoxel. He's the priest of... Sacrifice. Sacrifice. He, his makeup was genius of just having that black bar across his lips. Yeah. His, when his face moved and everything and like... It was creepy. Yeah. And like his, like the actor... Played it super well. Like his his facial expressions, like mm-hmm. he had just the, the I, I can only describe it as evil eyebrows. He was always like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like well, they, they gave him like wild hair and yeah. the big headdress thing. Like he was, I mean, spoiler for MVP, but it's that dude. He was always like hunched over and just kind of yeah. like snake oily, like super cool. He, he liked breaking the fourth wall a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of talking down the barrel of the camera. Yeah. 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 Uh, his name, the actor is John Ringham. And he was dope. He's he's the hero of the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about how well paced the story is. So like last night around midnight is when I started. And I was like, I'm going to watch the first two. Then I'll watch the next two in the morning. And I'll be good to go for the podcast. I was like so into it that after the episode two cliffhanger, I was like, well, I got to watch like the next 10 minutes just to I can't go to bed with that cliffhanger hanging. Yeah. So yeah, this episode's dope. We live a privileged life where we can just keep watching. <laughs> can you imagine seeing that like on the week to week? Ugh. Right. Well, and there's sometimes when imagining watching these in 25 minute installments in 1960, 1964 at this point, that, you know, in some instances, it'd be super fun to like have these big cliffhangers every week, go to school, talk to your friends about it and be like, oh, they scratched Ian with the thing. Like, he's going to fucking die. What? How are they going to get out of this one? But then, on the other hand, sometimes you have 12-episode-long Dalek stories that are, like, three months of your fucking life, and you just want it to be over. Right. <laughs> uh, anything else? Uh, I didn't know hot cocoa was a love potion. Oh, for sure. That's, uh, that was pretty cool. Oh, with the cocoa beans? Yeah. But yeah, that's that's, like, my favorite quote is the... Yes, I made some cocoa and got engaged. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, their outfits are really cool. I liked the like the bird motifs. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was pretty neat. Uh, especially Ian's like warrior outfit. Super cool, I thought. Yeah. There was a line in the first episode. Uh, the doctor to Barbara said, uh, you can't rewrite history, not one line. And that reminded me of... Um, Every Stephen Moffat story. Yeah, every, like, <laughs> did he straight up just pull that line from this episode? It wouldn't be the first time he took a a line from the First Doctor's era and kind of switched it around a little bit. It, it was cool. Like, when he said it, I was like, ah, shit. I got real excited. Oh, and then in the last one, when the Doctor was talking to, 
his fiance. I, I always forget her name. Komika. Ko- yeah. Um, they were talking about the the eclipse, and the doctor said it'll be a dark day truly because he's talking about having to leave her. Yeah. Uh, for the both of us, and I was like, oh, the doctor loves her. Well, yeah, and then it ends with, you know, he puts down that the coin the, the thing she gave him yeah. that has like the symbol of Utaxa on it mm-hmm. puts it down on the altar and starts walking towards the TARDIS and then like stops turns around and grabs it and puts it in his pocket because he wants to remember super cool I like that <laughs> justice for Komika uh yeah so do you think they fucked mm, did they have time to there this was more than one day we didn't yeah. see nighttime. oh yeah, I they guess. were they were just in the the garden in the garden, man, just hammering it out. That makes sense for sure. I mean, that one guy got lost in the garden, so they could find a nook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did Ian and Ixta fuck? Because they, <laughs> Ian wakes up, him and Ixta are sharing a bed or like a they just sleep on the floor, but they're sleeping with each other. And then uh, is this before or after the the thumb pinch to the oh neck? way after. This okay. is when Ian gets up in the middle of the night and goes to the temple and Ixta gets up and follows him. And then that's where the doctor like has him move that that oh, stone right. and he's able to get into the temple. So he gets up and he's just sleeping with Ixta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they did, it's going to be a very long, quiet <laughs> battle. <But laughs> Ixta, Ixta from the jump is like, it's cool. We could be friends. Like, I'm going to kill you, but we yeah. could still be friends. Yeah. So why not, you know? Why not yeah. bone? Yeah. So it might be your last day. For sure. They did. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're talking about the costumes. Any Anywhere I looked for some fun facts, this always came up. The costume designer had to take a lot of liberties because what the Aztecs actually wore wasn't exactly like safe for work. Oh, so, it was bearing a lot. <laughs> a lot of yeah. loincloth only. For the men, yeah, a lot of loincloth. The women were bare-chested. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of just like, well, they would wear something maybe kind of looks like this. Free <laughs> yeah. the nipple. Yeah. Come on, he, BBC. The, he basically put Barbara in like a, a, like a plastic bag. <laughs> like yeah. It's just giant cape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're talking about not changing history. Mm-hmm. Um the doctor does invent the wheel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was tracking that. He brought it into the thing, though, like with them. So, oh, really? So no one like had it outside of oh, okay. the, the tomb. How responsible of him. Yeah. And he may have brought it into the TARDIS, too. I didn't see it on the table, but yeah. I, I made sure I was like, there's no way he's going to leave that and like it just be OK, because that's that's like a big technology thing. But the smart lady saw him make it. Like she could, she could remake it, become the the strongest uh, female engineer in that time. The Aztecs apparently like never really invented the wheel before they were wiped out. Um, the wheel itself was probably invented like three thousand years before this story takes place. Oh, but it didn't make it to them. Um, but they did have some like toys that had wheels on them. But they didn't figure out, like, oh, if we made bigger ones of these and put them on chariots, we could get around faster. (laughs) Uh, But they did have some really fun inventions, like chewing gum, popcorn. Whoa. Um, They 
claim to have introduced the world to chocolate. I um, a lot of mm-hmm. kinds of medicine, a really complicated calendar system, and mandatory education. One of very few cultures mm. to have implemented that. That's that's kind of interesting that they implemented almost all of those into this story. Because uh, like they kind of made Susan go get educated. Yeah. And then the like the medicines and stuff, like they had gardens, so they were showing uh, the sacrifice guy talked about how his horticulture studies helped him. Yeah. Because he knew about the the plant. Thing. Yeah. And they also uh, invented a lot of like irrigation systems mm. and like created like man-made islands and stuff like that. Like they did a lot of work. Wow. Like it's even brought up like that, um, that thing in the temple to pass water through to flood the, uh, the garden. Like mm-hmm. they, they oh, created that, like an irrigation system. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Who, this writer, um, who this is his only Doctor Who story, but uh, he seemed to know his stuff. Anyway, uh, one of one of the last pure historicals. We won't probably be seeing another one for a long time. No monsters, just go back in time. The past sucks, and we almost died from it. Yeah, I did write down this one was like a like a history lesson episode. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when the show started, like that was a mandate. Yeah, you want to give me your MVP? I, I already said mine. It's uh, Clotoxel. Yeah, same. Yeah. He's really good. He was a wonderful driving force through all four episodes. I want to give it to costumes as like a very close runner up because those just all all the costumes everyone was wearing was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I honestly I don't think there was a lot of weak points at all in this except for Susan, but she was barely there. Right. She's great. Poor Susan. Costumes was Daphne Dare. Well, well done. done. <laughs> well done Daphne alright if you're ranking first hardest team stories where's this fall I think it's on the upper side of mid like it wasn't boring we've had some slogs it wasn't any of that but it wasn't like I just really like Daleks the, first, the second story Was oh the first Dalek story yeah like I like that one I, my, I mean it's my favorite of the First artist team is my favorite classic story, which is Dalek Invasion of Earth. And then, I mean, it's a Dalek story, but it's awesome instead of the Daleks. <laughs> and uh, they get rid of Susan. Like, who? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it'd be that. And then the Romans probably. Oh, well, that's not the original oh, Tardis the team. No, that's, that's after. That's... Oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, that's right. It's got Vicky. <clears throat> yeah, it's got Vicky. Yeah. So be Dalek Invasion of Earth. Um, this might be. <laughs> I mean, it's better than the Timeless Child or the whatever that one, that whole series is called. Unwanted Child. Not that. The, it's not unwanted. Uh, sorry. An unearthly, <laughs> unearthly child. child. There you go. <laughs> That's right. What did I say? Untimeless? Wait, that doesn't make no, sense. No, you said the Timeless Child, which is a Doctor Who episode two seasons from where we are in Married right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, for me, it'd be Dalek Invasion of Earth. Then maybe, I mean, Sensorites is pretty good. And then the Aztecs. But I mean, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's only ten stories with the original three Tardis team. And one, two, two of them are missing, so we can't watch those. But I did watch on my own Planet of Giants. And 
Edge of Destruction. So in our little journey here for Brothers, I've watched every every one of the available first two seasons of Doctor Who. It's crazy. Okay, now let's move the discussion to more generally be about Barbara. The matron, kind of, by default, of our TARDIS team. Um, she's not old. I think she's 30 when <laughs> doing this. I like Barbara. Uh, she's a very good contrast to Ian. Um, and sometimes they kind of flip-flop. Like, um, a couple of times Barbara has to had had has had to have been the, like, savior. Even in this one, like, she saved Ian from dying. Mm-hmm. She's got all the answers. Fans like to say, or I don't even know if they like to say, maybe I just heard it on a podcast, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, the doctor often saves the day with his mind. Ian saves the day with his muscles and his bravery. And Barbara saves the day with her her grace and her kindness. Mm. And Susan's like, the worst. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time... Uh, just being a teacher, she's able to also hold that command or take charge of a situation as well, mm-hmm. which she's done multiple times. So she's not just like a follow along like Susan is, right. who is just there to be kidnapped or put in danger so the story continues. Uh, I did watch the Mythmakers, uh, Jacqueline Hill episode. Mythmakers is like a series of interviews that... The guy who voices the Daleks now in current who did in like the 80s and 90s. What's his fucking name? Nicholas Briggs. That Nicholas Briggs did. This was in the 90s. Uh, Jacqueline Hill had already passed. So it was interviews with like the rest of the main cast. Obviously, William Hartnell had already passed too. And her husband, who was like a pretty famous director. And they had a very long personal and professional relationship where he... Like, was immediately taken by how good of an actor she was. And she was quite successful before taking the Doctor Who role. And so didn't really need to stay on very long. And didn't. Like, they were only on the show for 18 months or whatever. But he does, like, often cite that, like, this is still... This show she did for 18 months, 30 years ago, was still, like, the biggest thing. Maybe not, like, financially, but... Oh, reach the most right he yeah. would tell stories about like oh we went to go check out this thing and she's immediately bombarded by children <laughs> like you yeah. know 30 years later it's crazy uh she got very sick in the late 80s with breast cancer and mm. kind of became a recluse didn't want people to see her because she her physical appearance changed a lot she lost a lot oh, of weight her, yeah. her husband said she lost like a foot in height whoa and it was a long battle that she lost, but in in that Mythmakers, like William Russell says, who played Ian, says like he tried getting in contact with her a couple of times when he found out she was sick and just like never got an answer. And it wasn't until later when she talked to her husband that he was just like, she wouldn't let anyone see her. Hmm. Also, she couldn't have children for whatever reason. Uh, but shortly after Doctor Who, she quit acting because they adopted some kids. Oh, mm. nice. Uh, and she just, like, took 18 years off and then came back and was actually pretty successful again. 
wow. in a way that's very hard when you just leave the business for 20 years. She had a little bit of a leg up in that her husband was still in the business. Yeah. But uh, she did a lot of acting after. She even came back to Doctor Who in 1979 and played a bad guy in a Tom Baker episode. Ooh. Could you tell it was her? Yeah. Like there wasn't like a big makeup helmet thing? Oh, no, thing? yeah. She wasn't like in a Cyberman costume. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that's that's really cool that she was able to leave and come back like that. Like yeah. that's that's a lot of... I mean, that's that's tough. She also... Yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> she also only ever did one convention so they did have some footage of her at this convention that they showed in Mythmakers, and she doesn't really like to talk about herself which is why she didn't do very many of them but she did say that the aztecs was her favorite episode because she got to wear a lovely hat oh that <laughs> hat was cool yeah it was very nice definitely cool yeah and her husband in there said she did like the the story set in the past the most when it was like you know, sci-fi and aliens and stuff. She didn't really give a shit. She recognized that like it was fun for the kids. So she, she still Did like it. tried. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, censorites. I mean, <clears throat> she's great in that one. Yeah. Even though she left for two episodes. Uh, yeah. So more about Barbara. I think it's easier to talk about companions when you see the show without them in it, which we will in the coming weeks as we get into the companions that replace her and Ian. Uh, but these, these three people, and I, I, this is really bad. I'm leaving Caroline Ford out of this, but uh, William Hartnell, uh, William Russell and Jacqueline Hill, like their three characters do feel like a, by the end of their time, like a family unit more than I think what we get for quite some time. Like you could yeah. say second doctor and Jamie are like that, but they're more like bros. Okay. But trying to get each other laid. Kinda. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, they're, they're just like, they're kind of equals. Like this does feel like, you know, sometimes we got to, you know, stamp down on this crotchety old grandpa of ours, but we still love him. And even seeing this, when, when uh, Barbara fucks up, and the doctor's just like chewing her ass, like you're gonna get us all fucking killed. Like you can't change the entire Aztec culture in a weekend. Yeah. And she finally like realizes that they have to leave, and she's obviously bummed. And then he even like, okay, you know what? I was a little harsh there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he he like pulls her aside and is like, I know it's it's fine. Well, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I do like their kind of quote unquote family unit feel mm -hmm. that they have. Um, it's really, I don't have a whole lot of classic who to compare to, but like, uh, Joe Grant, that kind of companionship where they're just like buds just hanging out. Yeah. That feels more like contemporary doctor who, where like Amy and 11 do feel like best friends yes. and that's how they refer to each other. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, that was the other one would be, uh, Amy Rory and the doctor, mm -hmm. like that kind of dynamic yeah, well they're uh, but again they're just like buddies like that's very much a story of amy and the doctor and amy and rory and they're not really a unit in the way that these people are do you think that's more because of just how these 
episodes were all shot of just like it's a continuous journey like they all tie into the next one immediately after that it they are with each other continuously through all of this compared to when oh, like Rory in, and Amy it'd be like months on end before the doctor would come back and take them on another journey well it didn't start that way with Amy and Rory right but I mean it was that way with Clara it is that way with Bill which is where we are in Married to Who um, but no I don't think it's the sole reason because you'll see it when we get to the Chris Chibnall era, he likes a big TARDIS team. So we have three companions who like none of them are married or anything. I guess one is a grandfather and a grandson. But uh, in, in that case, it seems like it's very much them and the doctor like standing apart. Yeah. Where like the stories about the three of them coming together and learning how to like, be better people like not not like they're assholes or anything but like <laughs> yeah just you know growing and becoming strong and stuff like that yeah whereas like ian and barbara like apart from one really one scene in the daleks that doesn't really match up with the rest of her character ian and barbara begin like fully realized they don't go on a journey of discovery or anything they're just like Swept doing up. good yeah. because they're good people right well, Ian became a murderer, but. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, we don't know that he wasn't already a murderer. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> but there's the scene I'm talking about in the Daleks is, you know, the doctor is trying to convince the Thals to fight for them because they have to get into the Dalek city and get that fluid link mm -hmm. so that they can fly the TARDIS away. And the Thals are a peaceful people, like they're pacifists. So they're like, no, we don't fight. And Barbara or Ian's like telling the doctor, like, no, we'll find a different way, Doc. You can't do this. Like, they're they're a peaceful people. And Barbara's like, yeah, but we could talk them into it. <laughs> like, yeah. We, they'll all die. It's fine. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And it, was, it's it just like one weird. kind of weirdly written scene that doesn't really match up with the rest of her. Anything else to say about Barbara? She's pretty dope it's going to be a little while now until we have like another adult woman on the tardis like it's you know susan's replaced by vicky who gets replaced by dodo who gets replaced by polly and then victoria <laughs> and they're all just like very young pretty girls and it's not until um liz shaw the third doctor's first companion that there's actually like an adult woman who's the companion and she is immediately replaced by Joe Grant after one <laughs> season. There's like, this is not working out. We need to get one in there for the dads. <laughs> so, <Aww. laughs> so Katie Manning, get them short skirts out. Oh no. <laughs> and, and it's just nice. And, you know, up until the Chibnall era where we have Graham, who's not just an adult, but elderly, <laughs> That's that's not fair to say. <laughs> He's in his fifties, but uh, he just has white hair, <laughs> right? He's probably in his sixties, actually. He's a he's a grandfather, anyway. It's not until very very recently that we have like another proper adult in the TARDIS, and it is kind. I mean, it's it's kind of uh, required when the person playing the Doctor is supposed to be old, so you do need. You've, you've got the young person, Susan. You need, like, the adults, Indian and Barbara. 
And so when the doctor does change to a younger or at least more physically capable person, because again, William Hartnell's only like 56 years old. Like, yeah. uh, Peter Capaldi was older than him. Fucking Ming-Na, Ming-Na Wen, the chick from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who's in Mandalorian. She's fucking 57 years old. She's beating the shit out of Boba Fett. Like, <laughs> it's great. I think that is her name. I, I just got caught up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's still kicking ass. Oh, you need to watch Mandalorian season two because it's done now. It's done now. I And I, I, I can start watching it now. So yeah, I kind of interrupted my own point. I do that all the time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, because the from now on our doctor becomes more physically capable and progressively younger until we go a little too far with Peter Davison, we gotta bring it back a little bit and then do it again with Matt Smith. Because of that, you don't really need adults in the TARDIS because they have to constantly then point out how everyone else is not being an adult. Yeah. And even even with River Song, like she's not there all the time, but she's. In a lot of ways, as childish as the doctor is. Mm -hmm. I was kind of wondering if that was not a, a like a calculation for making this work of just depending on how old the doctor was or whatever it was, if there was an age gap for how old the companion needed to be in order to be that kind of relationship. I think that probably becomes a part of it. But, you know, when they cast this show, there was no there was no thought of recasting anybody right there's no thought of it going longer than the original 13 episode order so you know these people were cast to have this kind of family dynamic and i think it works really well and i think it's never achieved again in the same way and it's a part of doctor who that is familiar but because it's how the show started and I think it's something that the show now lacks in a lot of ways. Yeah. No matter how much Jodie Whittier calls them the fam, they are not a fam. <laughs> not in this way. Yeah, no, definitely not in this way. They are in a, like I would say, a different way, but still separate, you know, whereas this group, like you're saying, is just so kind of woven so well together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you see that in William William Hartnell's performance when... Susan leaves and when Ian and Barbara leave yep at just how hard it is for him and you know behind the scenes how hard it was on William Hartnell himself when you know he's the star of this awesome show for the first time in his life he's wicked famous and all these people that are on this journey with him leave yeah anyway anything else I think it's good all right yeah god bless Babs the patron saint of TARDIS teams <laughs> um, for next time, guys, it's going to start getting a little more difficult with our companions because for the remainder of the 60s, even more of the show is missing. So it's really hard at times to get a firm grasp of a character. They have been pumping out a lot of animations lately by pumping out. I mean, like one every year or year and a half. But like for people like Ben and Polly apart from these animations that have just been coming out, they have like nothing that exists other than one or two stories. And so we have a decision to make. We have our next two companions, Steven and Dodo. Uh, Steven's in 10 stories, the last two of season two, and all but the last one of season three. So we saw at the end of the chase, he shows up in the last episode. 
And then we don't know in that story, but the next episode starts with him having stowed away on the TARDIS. So that's the time meddler. We will watch that one for Steven as kind of like his de facto first story. And Vicky's still in that one. So we'll get some more Vicky. Okay. Um, And then I think Vicky leaves in the next one. And then Dodo shows up in the story after that. So Steven has 10. Six of those are missing. One we've already seen. And one we're definitely watching. So that leaves two remaining. (laughs) Of those two, uh, Dodo's in them. So we can use them for Dodo. Dodo's in six stories. Three of them are missing. And her last one, The War Machines, is really about the introduction of Ben and Polly. And she's barely in it. She's like, gets knocked out and is like in a bed the whole time. One of Doctor Who's favorite things to do. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just like leave. Oh, no. (laughs) They're like, she's fine. (laughs) They they leave her there? Yeah, we'll watch it soon. Wow. So I don't really want to give anything away. But Dodo does not get the most respectable departures. Um, so I don't want to watch that one as a Dodo episode, even though it is her last story. And that's kind of the format we've decided to use. So, guys, we have a decision to make for Dodo and Steven, two companions. We only have three episodes or stories to watch. We could watch all three of them and just do one podcast on Steven and Dodo and just be done with it. Or we could split it up. We can do like two of them for Steven, one of them for Dodo. Hmm. Are there any are any of those stories like wicked long, like six episodes? So there's the Time Meddler, which is four episodes. It's also the first time we see another Time Lord. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Galaxy Four is missing. Mythmakers is missing. That's when Vicky leaves. The Daleks Master Plan, twelve fucking episodes, is missing. But that's when we have two companions who join the team and die. In Dalek's Master Plan. So they are on the list of companions. We're not doing them because it's a missing story. And are they really companions if they're in like three episodes? No. (laughs) The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve? Missing. The Ark? Four episodes we will be watching. Celestial Toymaker's missing. Oh, and the Gunfighters. Also four. They're all four. Oh. And I feel like it's a do-it-all-in-one I can get behind that. Okay. So for next time, we're going to watch. I need to write this down or else I'm never going to remember. Oh, God. Do we have to if they're the only ones that are there? I still need to know what to look up. Oh, I suppose. Okay. (laughs) We're going to watch The Time Meddler, The Ark, and The Gunfighters for our podcast on Steven and Dodo. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Brothers and Who. Uh, please go and check out The Married Who, our regular podcast, where we are. We've just finished the Monk trilogy in season 10, and we are plowing forward uh, towards the end of season 10. <laughs> I can't say anything, can't say anything spoilery because Terry's here now. I'm half of myself, Jake, my brother Alex, our producer Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for the Time Meddler, the Ark, and the Gunfighters. We. <laughs> <laughs>
Just put an end on it. <laughs>